Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. In fact, the Mark Garrison story mentions we're going to talk more about because... I think it is an encouraging sign, yet again, of why this city is such an attractive place, not just for people, but for businesses. We'll go into that coming up in just a bit. Also, during the course of the broadcast, it's interesting how the phone, the conversation in recent days has shifted you ever notice when things start to happen some things just become routine like for instance ukraine war you don't see many stories about the ukraine war periodically this used to be big news it used to be pretty much top of the news not anymore And now we're at a place where maybe in some sense the same thing is happening with events in the Middle East. We have come to recognize that what is underway is part of a process that's going to take quite some time as it relates to the ground invasion that Israel was about to go full force into. So the headlines are shifting into some broader conversations one of them about hatred we will talk about this and what is happening on college campuses the impact of this is pretty incredible also this is having an impact on 2024 this entire conversation i have made it very clear my position on some members of Congress who are not in danger of getting kicked out or censured or anything like this, but the jihad wing of the Democrat Party. These folks are indicators of what's happening to our country. We have a country that is ideologically shifting And yet at the same time, there is some concern about how these issues, how they are engaged, could have an impact on Joe Biden's run for the presidency. We'll talk about some of the things he's saying and doing that may indicate he is trying to play to a very important audience for him. And... We haven't talked about this much on this broadcast, but one of the maddening things that I continue to see out of this administration is every time they talk about anti-defamation as it relates to Jews, they've got to bring up this silly thing called Islamophobia. And I say silly, because the goal here 
is to try to come across as being even-handed. And it needs to be understood. There is no comparison here. And the level of concern that's being expressed is way out of kilter. We'll talk about this coming up. We've got polling data and the presence of RFK Jr. could have a profound impact on the election. It's kind of interesting who he is actually pulling from between Trump and Biden. We'll talk about that coming up. Also, an interesting conversation about equity. This is a word that I've really come to hate. And you'll hate it even more when you hear what is happening in one Pacific Northwest state. How they are dealing with the issue of equity. What they are doing that is just absolutely asinine. We will delve into this and much more as we continue the broadcast. Also, any breaking news developments that may arise during the course of the next couple of hours. You heard Mark Garrison talk about this big story. Carowinds Amusement Park is going to be part of a bigger family. It's owned by a company called Cedar Fair and Six Flags Entertainment announced Uh, They're going to merge, moving the new company's headquarters to Charlotte. Cedar Fair at Six Flags. This deal is worth about $8 billion. Cedar Fair, based in Sandusky, Ohio. Six Flags in Arlington, Texas. Carowinds is one of 11 Cedar Fair amusement parks and four water parks in the U.S. and Canada. What you will have here is a huge conglomerate, 27 amusement parks, 15 water parks, 9 resort properties in 17 states in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. This merger closes in the early part of 2024. This is pretty extraordinary. The Observer reports over the last year, through the third quarter, Six Flags and Cedar Properties had 48 million visitors. The combined company would generate about $3.4 billion in revenue. With minimal market overlap of park operations, this combined company expected to reduce earnings volatility through a more balanced presence in year-round operating climates. Just last week, Carowin says it will not be open year-round next year after all. Cedar Fair CEO Richard Zimmerman will remain as leader of the combined park. Six Flags CEO Selman Basul will serve as executive chairman of the company's newly formed board of directors. There will be 12, six from Cedar Fair's board, six from Six Flags board. And the combined company will operate under the name Six Flags, trade under the ticker symbol FUN on the New York Stock Exchange. That's pretty clever, isn't it? Here's the other intriguing thing. Headquarters in Charlotte maintain finance and administrative operations in Sandusky, Ohio, according to Cedar Fair. So this is pretty intriguing stuff. Now, allegedly, this means the merger will enhance park offerings by generating stronger cash flow to invest in the various theme parks. 
So this is pretty cool. I, you know, the thing about it is, and this I hope helps you understand who I am, because this is not personal to me at all. I am not a fan of amusement parks. I will take. Uh, I was about to say I will take my kids to amusement parks. I certainly don't do that now since the youngest one is 18 years old. But I did years ago. And, of course, one of the biggest attractions that we went to as a family was Disney. I enjoyed some aspects of that, but mainly I went for the children. These things, especially... The rides, the um, these are things that they don't do anything for me. I'm not interested in roller coasters. But you know what I do care about? I care about the well-being of the city I live in. And I'm thrilled to see just another example of the city's vitality. It's not something that can be said of every city. There are areas of this country right now frankly that are dying economically they don't have a lot going for them that cannot be said about the city of charlotte and this is the latest example so i'd love to get your thoughts if you would like to share any along these lines our phone number 704-570-1110 Still to come, we will talk about the surge in hatred, at least revealed hatred, not just in this country, but around the world. And we'll delve into the political aspects of this as it relates to 2024 and reasons the president may try to pander (laughs) that much more as we continue our Thursday broadcast. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You know, it's kind of interesting. We'll be talking about the issue of anti-Semitism, but we will also be talking about the exploitation of this situation for political purposes. And what I'm talking about here is a member of Congress. In fact, he was recently on this broadcast because... He is a person who's not in favor of sending more of our money really anywhere. So a little controversy is brewing over this member of Congress. In fact, we should have him back on this broadcast to talk about it. I think this is a case of an attempt to exploit the sympathies of the American people. See, This is one of the things that we all have to be really careful about. You see, I can be very supportive, and I I always have been. I can be supportive of Israel. 
At the same time, I can say that I have questions about or don't want to support sending money to Israel. I mean, this whole subject of foreign aid, I think increasingly Americans are not comfortable when we have needs at home and we're deep in debt. What kind of sense does it make to be giving something to somebody? I mean, think of this on a personal level. I mean, just imagine you're underwater, like forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 in credit card debt and other debts. And then you're going to, I don't know, put thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 into charity? What kind of sense does that make? I think we've heard that expression about charity beginning at home, and it does. But we'll talk about this coming up a little later on. Drudge headlines, open hatred of Jews surges globally. Boycotts and firebombs. Innocent faces of 32 children held in tunnels by Hamas. It's a very compelling collage. If you've not seen it, I'd encourage you to check it out. It really puts a human face on these news stories when we've been talking about hostages. You know, it's it's like I've said about the abortion issue. One of the reasons why the abortion issue has not changed in terms of turning the tide is because it's an academic discussion. It's another thing altogether. If people see pictures, what brought an end to our engagement in Vietnam, it was pictures. It was videos. People were able to see. And I hope we keep these folks who are hostages in view. We do not forget them. Other headlines far from Gaza, terror chief oversees vast financial network. Members of Knesset in tears after viewing atrocities. Recycled images from past conflicts undercut true toll. How Telegram became weapon. Neo-Nazis hijack protests. Leftist leaders pull ambassadors in Latin American rebuke. As crisis unfolds, Europe talks about tightening borders. Boy, there's a shocker. Remember I said this to you the other day? We shared a story about... Polling data indicating more and more people are not comfortable with the idea of open borders. And the people pushing this garbage, they're elitist politicians. Most people do not support these policies. Putin mouthpiece warns Russia will conquer Germany. What? Just a sampling of some of the headlines grabbing our attention i want to begin in this country cornell university has canceled classes for friday after one of the school's students allegedly made violent anti-semitic threats against jews on campus in place of lectures cornell will observe a community day in acknowledgement of the extraordinary stress that has engulfed the college in recent weeks and tensions surrounding the conflict between israel and hamas in gaza as you know, it was last week when Patrick Dye was arrested and charged over online posts threatening to kill Jewish students at Cornell. Dye, himself a junior at the university, was detained after an FBI investigation into several anti-Semitic messages traced his IP address to his off-campus apartment. 
Authorities say Dyes admitted being the author of the post, which allegedly included, if you see a Jewish person on campus, follow them home and slit their throats. One other threatened to bring an assault rifle to campus and shoot all you pig Jews. This is just crazy stuff. Yesterday morning, fears raised again when Cornell University police sent out a crime alert about a report of an armed man seen near campus. Cornell President Martha Pollack wrote in a statement that although the threat proved to be unsubstantiated, it adds to the stress we're all feeling. An email to students explaining classes wouldn't be held on Fridays that staff and faculty would also be excused from work, except for those providing essential services. <laughs> I could be very petty here and say, if they're not involved in essential services, maybe their services are not needed at all. Probably starting with the faculty and the staff. Anyway, the president going on to say we hope everyone will use this restorative time to take care of yourselves and reflect on how we can nurture the kind of caring mutually supportive community that we all value yeah cornell one of the sites of real tension during these times still to come in the broadcast we're going to talk about what's going on globally this anti-Semitism is catching fire around the world. I would make the argument it's just being revealed because it's been there all along. We'll also delve into Joe Biden. Joe Biden and how his stand on this issue could be affected by politics. That and much more as we continue our Thursday broadcast, the Vince Coakley Radio Program. On the Vince Coakley Radio Program, 37 minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock. So we've got this problem that we're addressing here in this country. Open hatred of Jews. This is going on around the world. Reuters. Reports on in Los Angeles, a man screaming, kill Jews. Attempts to break into a family's home. In London, girls in a playground are told they are stinking Jews and should stay off the slide. In China, posts likening Jews to parasites, vampires, or snakes proliferate on social media, attracting thousands of likes. Examples of incidents of anti-Semitism, which have surged globally since the attack by Hamas gunmen on southern Israel October 7th and subsequent war on the Islamic group launched by Israel in the Gaza Strip. Can I just suggest something, by the way? Before I share any more about this story, because I want to make this very clear, especially when we get to some of the other material on this subject of hate is covered. First off, I want to make something very clear about the role of Christian believers. One of our missions, because Jesus himself said it, it's blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. I believe this is an important responsibility that we have in this season. 
and we can do this in a way that nobody else can. That's the first point I want to make. The second thing is, so many of the human-centered efforts that I see in this area are, I think it would be kind to say they are feeble. If you look at the corporate world and the government world, you see all of these efforts to address these issues. Public service announcements. And you know what's really missing in all of this? You know, the foundational basis of civilization is the family. That's where this begins. You want decent people who love and engage other people as decent human beings? The foundation for that begins in a healthy family. That's the starting place. Now, some would make the argument this is also where some of these unhealthy things come from. Because, yes, they do. There are people who are teaching racism to their kids. And yes, this is happening with everybody. Every group. So the challenge, and I think this is especially important for the church, for Christians, we need to be consistent in our messaging, in our behavior, in our engagement. But we also need to call people back to the foundations. Because there are so many things that are out of control right now in this country because of the disintegration of the family. Influence has shifted away from mom and dad to other places, social media. Just saying. Anthony Adler, 62 years old, speaking outside a synagogue where he'd gone to pray, a London neighborhood with a large Jewish community, said this is the scariest time to be Jewish since World War II. We've had problems before, but things have never been this bad in my lifetime. Adler runs three Jewish schools, temporarily closed two of them after October 7th because of fears of attacks on pupils, and he's beefed up security at all three. Biggest fear that there will be a random attack on our community, on our families, and our children. In countries where figures are available from police or civil society groups, including the United States, Britain, France, Germany, and South Africa, the pattern's clear. The number of anti-Semitic incidents has gone up since October 7th by 700% compared with the same period last year. In some countries, such as the United States and Britain, they're also claiming Reuters Islamophobic incidents have also increased since October 7th. Just another insertion here. I do not embrace that word just like I do not embrace the word homophobia for the same reason. We've got to stop these stupid words we throw out when we fail to come to understand 
what's really going on. If you want to, if you want to say somebody's hateful, just call them hateful. That's what it is. Doesn't necessarily have anything to do with phobia. Sometimes it's pure hatred. In the case of the anti-Semitic incidents, most consist of verbal abuse, online slurs or threats, graffiti and defacing of Jewish properties, businesses or sites of religious significance. Physical assaults represent a significant portion. We'll talk more about this and what is happening globally. We'll also delve into politics. Yes, 2024 is within view and... We have an administration that's very concerned about the outlook for next year. We'll talk about that much more as we continue our Thursday broadcast. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Back on the Vince Coakley radio program, we're talking about what's happening in this country and around the world. The surge in acts of hatred against Jews. One common thread, anger over the deaths of thousands of Palestinians as a result of Israel's bombardment of Gaza is invoked as justification for verbal or physical aggression towards Jews in general often accompanied by the use of slurs and tropes rooted in the long history of anti-Semitism. A member of France's Human Rights Commission says whatever their opinion on the conflict, even if they're extremely critical of the Israeli government, Jew is for them equal to Israel, equal to killing Palestinian children. This is where some people are. This is the lack of logic that is exercised by so many crazy people. The climate of fear worse for many Jews than in previous rises in anti-Semitism linked to flare-ups of violence in the Middle East, partly because of the intensity of the Gaza conflict and partly because of the trauma of October 7th. She says the idea Israel was the ultimate shelter. That idea is totally shattered by what happened on October 7th. The most chilling anti-Semitic incident globally. The storming of an airport in Russia's Dagestan region on Sunday by an enraged crowd looking for Jews to harm after a flight arrived from Tel Aviv. Rabbi Alexander Baroda, president of Russia's Federation of Jewish Communities, said in response, anti-Israel sentiment had morphed into open aggression toward Russian Jews. So there's no hiding it. People just come right out and express this. So what do you do if you're this administration? Well, there are several things that you do. A couple of interesting stories and ways in which these stories are addressed. I turn your attention to this story. It is really intriguing to me how things can have a very strong political tilt and it needs to be understood that that's a lot of what is driving this it's politics 
not a genuine concern. I know some people would say, well, that's judgmental of you. Well, it's pretty apparent what's going on here. Breitbart has this commentary. Biden tries to appease swing state Muslims by calling for a pause in Gaza as Hamas retreats. By the way, this story, I'm trying to remember. I don't think I mentioned this as one of the headlines. But if you look down to the Associated Press, you will see that there is a story. Democrats fear Biden's Israel-Hamas war stance could cost him re-election in Michigan. Hmm. Michigan. I wonder who is from Michigan. (laughs) Democrats there warning the White House, President Joe Biden's handling of the Israel-Hamas conflict could cost him enough support within the Arab-American community to sway the outcome of the 2024 election in a state he almost certainly can't afford to lose in his bid for re-election. This is how they're reacting. The White House discussing ways to alleviate tensions with some of the state's prominent Democrats, including several who have been vocal critics of the president about the war. Abraham Ayash, the third-ranking Democrat in the State House of Representatives, said the message has been relayed. We've had calls with the White House. We've had calls with DNC officials. We've been clear in saying the humanity should matter. But if that is not a calculation that you're going to make in this moment, recognize there will be electoral reverberations to this. Michigan, a critical component of the so-called blue wall of states, that includes Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Biden returned to the Democratic column, helping him win the White House in 2020. Since then, Democrats have felt more confident about their standing in Michigan, particularly after Governor Gretchen Whitmer notched a commanding 10-point re-election victory last year. But a cross-current of developments in recent months have tested the party. Beyond the war, Michigan was shaken by a showdown between the Auto Workers Union and the Detroit Three Automakers. Former President Donald Trump visited the state during the strike. Biden, who has longtime ties to unions, became the first sitting president to join a picket line. Now that the strike is resolved, the war may have a more lasting political impact for the president. In 2020, Muslim voters supported Biden over Trump 64 to 35 percent. I asked the Democratic floor leader in the state house that Arab American leaders who have spoken to the White House are worried about the implications for 2024 and have relayed those concerns to Biden. Other prominent Michigan Democrats have shared similar concerns. Certainly none of us want to see part two of a Trump disaster presidency. But we also are not going to just passively give Joe Biden a second term if our concerns are not even dignified through a response. Michigan holds the largest concentration of Arab Americans in the nation and over 310,000 residents are of Middle Eastern or North African ancestry. Many in the community are pledging to coalesce behind Biden's reelection campaign unless he calls for a ceasefire in the war. He's been reluctant to do that. Emphasizing Israel's right to defend itself. 
his stance changed slightly on Wednesday when Biden responded to a protester calling for a ceasefire at a fundraiser in Minnesota by saying there should be a humanitarian pause in the Israel-Hamas war. A pause means time to get the prisoners out, he said. Nearly 30 Arab-American leaders and activists convened in the Detroit suburb of Dearborn discussed the Biden administration's response to the war. One attendee, Hussein Dubije, has began forming a political action committee that will boycott Democratic candidates who fail to speak out against Israel's retaliatory strikes. He said along with other community leaders, that while many Arab Americans may not support a Republican candidate like Trump, they would leave the top of the ticket blank. Trump won Michigan by just over 10,000 votes in 2016. Tens of thousands of Michigan voters opted to not vote in the presidential race that year. This is something this administration is watching very closely. In fact, we'll tell you what they are up to. By the way, someone who tried to reach us some days ago, I noticed it's just sent a message to me, and I want to encourage you to call in the next hour, and let's have that conversation. Also, we have someone on the line. We will try to get to your call right after the break here in the Vince Coakley radio program. Right now, as we approach the top of the hour, it's time for news. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Welcome to our number two of our broadcast. Coming up, we'll also talk about what the Republicans in the House have done with aid for Israel. I think it's pretty darn clever. People are really, really <laughs> ticked off about this. The Washington establishment. We'll get to that in a bit. And though uh, our caller is a little bit ahead of himself, ahead of me and what I will address a little bit later, we will go out to Craig here in Charlotte, who would like to comment on something. Good morning, Craig, and welcome. Hey, good morning, Vince. Um, I just wanted to comment on, um, actually, on what you had mentioned earlier about, you know, the word homophobic um, and, you know, people using uh, words that really don't mean what they really mean. Um, and so I decided to look up the word, and it was actually created by a uh, Jewish-American psychologist in New York City in the, in the late 60s. He was a big flaming liberal. Um, and this is, he's a prime example of, once again, letting liberals dictate the language that we use. Uh, mm -hmm. never get that chance. So, in this guy, this psychologist's view was that people who had a problem with gays were the crazy ones. So, he coined uh, a word, it's a misnomer. I mean, simply being disgusted by someone and their behavior does not mean you're afraid of them, or irrationally afraid of them, which is what the word homophobia means. It's, it's intellectually dishonest, isn't it? Because it puts everybody in the category 
who is opposed to homosexuality, it puts them all in this category, and therefore you're able to marginalize people and say, oh, these are all fearful people. Well, they have a myriad, they have myriad reasons for the positions they've taken, and it doesn't mean that they're going to do harm to anybody. I think maybe we should maybe we should start making some language. Like everybody who is disgusted by Trump should be called a Trumpophobic, or uh, <laughs> you're afraid of capitalism. You're a capitalophobic. You know, maybe we should start controlling the language once instead of always letting liberals be the one to play it, and then we follow along like it's actually legitimate. And we have to react, and that's not a good place to be where you're reacting because. They've already set the narrative, as you've described, Well, the Republicans have no balls, so we're going to have to just keep on with it. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, Craig, I'm done with them. I'm done with them as a party, I swear. What what is it? And and this is, uh, I have to ask you this question, Craig, because I do think courage is something that is very much lacking. But isn't one of the big issues here also a lack of convictions? What do these people really believe? What do they I believe? I think they believe that they're trying to make them and their families and their friends have an excellent life. And if they, can't, if they can help us in the process, the citizens, good. If they can't, no big deal. I, I think you've hit that on the head. I think that's right on the nose what's, what's happening. These are people driven by self-interest. It's not the country. It's, it's, you know, what I, I came up with this expression for people like this who like to think of themselves as public servants well what this what this means is they are indeed public servants they are serving themselves in public that's the new definition of these folks craig i very much appreciate your call we're going to get to this whole phobic thing a little bit later on because you'll be intrigued by what the white house is now doing keep in mind what i just shared the concern about losing Muslim and Arab voters in states like Michigan. What do you do to pander to these folks? Breitbart has this story. President Joe Biden called for a humanitarian pause in the Israel-Hamas wars. The IDF mounts a ground invasion of the Gaza Strip. The president made his comments Wednesday evening when a protester interrupted his campaign speech by calling for a ceasefire. Biden says, I think we need a pause. The president had been speaking to a crowd of supporters in Minneapolis. Remember this, folks? About what motivated him to run for president when a woman interrupted him about shouting for a ceasefire. Others in the crowd shouted the woman down, which prompted Biden to say he understood her emotions. He emphasized that his call for a pause in the war meant allowing time to get the prisoners out. Over a thousand demonstrators were protesting nearby with signs that read, Stop bombing children, free Palestine, and cease fire now. Biden says this is incredibly complicated for the Israelis, incredibly complicated for the Muslim world as well. I supported a two-state solution. I have from the very beginning. But he added, the fact of the matter is, Hamas is a terrorist organization, a flat-out terrorist organization. Now, the White House later clarified the president's call for a pause meant for humanitarian reasons. But keep in mind, folks, these things do not happen by accident there is a reason behind this and let's get to 
something else this administration is doing. So here we have the heightened concern about Jews. Now, Joe Biden has found a novel way to allegedly (laughs) fight a dramatic rise in anti-Semitism since the Hamas terror attack on Israel. Putting Vice President Kamala Harris in charge of a new national strategy on, guess what? Islamophobia. Here is the Vice President speaking on this. And today, we take another important step forward in our fight against hate. For years, Muslims in America and those perceived to be Muslim have endured a disproportionate number of hate-fueled attacks. As a result of the Hamas terrorist attack in Israel and the humanitarian crisis in Gaza, we have seen an uptick in anti-Palestinian, anti-Arab, anti-Semitic, and Islamophobic incidents across America, including the brutal attack of a Palestinian-American woman who is Muslim and the killing of her six-year-old son. A senseless act of violence that the Department of Justice is investigating as a hate crime. For so many people in our nation, the past few days and weeks have brought about all too familiar fears. Fears that they will be targeted, profiled, or attacked simply because of who they are, how they worship, or how they look. And so today, I am proud to announce the Biden-Harris administration will develop our nation's first national strategy to counter Islamophobia. This strategy will be a comprehensive and detailed plan to protect Muslims and those perceived to be Muslim from hate, bigotry, and violence, and to address the concern that some government policies may discriminate against Muslims. For example, the so-called Muslim ban, which President Biden revoked on our first day in office. So here's the bottom line. In America, no one should be made to fight hate alone. And in this moment, then, let us all clearly say, a harm against any one of us is a harm against all of us. (sighs) Oh, excuse me. Is, Is she done? This is just pure pandering. Now, why do you think this was done? I'll tell you why this was done. 2024. That's what this is about. 2024. They want to at least look like they're doing something to address anti-Muslim hate. So, I thought you ought to know what this administration is up to. Still to come in the broadcast, Israel funding already. The Republican House has made it clear they're not going to go with a plan to combine funding for Israel and funding for Ukraine. We'll tell you what they're up to. and There's something else clever about what they are proposing. We'll talk about it. Also, a good friend of this program Well, he's not in favor of any of this funding. And one organization is basically um, really exploiting the situation 
to try to undermine this member of Congress and suggest he is something that he is not. You know, I, we had a conversation a few minutes ago with a caller who is down on the Republican Party. I really have to hand it to him on this clever idea. Reuters reports the House plans a vote on a Republican plan to provide $14.3 billion in aid to Israel by cutting Internal Revenue Service funding, <laughs> setting up a clash with the Democratic-controlled Senate and the White House. Republicans unveiled the bill on Monday, the first major legislative action under new Speaker Mike Johnson, despite President Joe Biden's request for a broad. Now, keep in mind, I want you to just get a load of the contrast to these amounts. Here's an aid package for $14.3 billion to Israel by cutting IRS funding. Biden wants $106 billion, including funding for Israel, Taiwan, and Ukraine, as well as humanitarian aid. There's a morning procedural vote on this that would have to be cleared in order for this to pass the House later today. As you know, Republicans, they have a slim majority. It's 221 to 212. But the Senate's another story altogether. The Senate is controlled by Democrats, 5149. To become law, the bill would have to pass both the House and the Senate and get signed by Biden. Chuck Schumer's pretty much signaled this bill is going to be dead on arrival if it passes the House. And even if it did win votes in the Senate, the White House indicating it's going to veto. Democrats objected to cutting money for the IRS, saying it would increase the country's budget deficit by cutting back on tax collection. The dear sacred tax collection. Who in the world would be defending this but the Democrat Party? They also said it was essential to continue to support Ukraine as it fights against a Russian invasion that started in February of 2022. While many Democrats and many Republicans still strongly support Ukraine, a smaller but vocal group of Republicans questioned sending more money to the government in Kiev at a time of steep budget deficits. Congress has approved $113 billion for Ukraine since the invasion began. Just, that's a staggering amount of money. What could we have done with that money here in America? And, and I'm not saying this is, I do not want to set up a false equation here because the best thing to do is not to spend the money at all. The nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office said the IRS cuts and the Israel aid and the standalone bill would add nearly $30 billion to the U.S. budget deficit, currently estimated at $1.7 trillion. Really? <laughs> I mean, this is kind of a drop in the bucket. But there you go, the Republican plan. I mentioned the Senate, they are not in favor of this. They think this is just pure foolishness. The U.S. Senate will not take up the aid package to Israel put forward by House Republicans and will instead work on its own alleged bipartisan emergency aid package that includes aid to Israel, Gaza, and Ukraine. Schumer called the Republicans' proposal, which provides funding to Israel, but also includes severe cuts to funding for the IRS, 
deeply flawed. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. See, I, I, I think this is healthy conversation. And one of the frustrations for me is watching how many times Republicans simply fold. Well, this isn't going to go anywhere. So let's just go ahead and just give them what they want. This is the mindset of a lot of Republicans. I'm glad Mike Johnson is standing up and saying, no, this is our plan. And then you can negotiate from there. Where we arrive, I don't know. But just approving hundred million, hundred billion dollars in mostly foreign aid, it's just it's just profoundly wrong headed. And I'd suspect most of you actually agree with that. That's not even a partisan view at all. It's just common sense. What are your thoughts on aid? By the way, we turn to my good friend, who is now facing the criticism of an organization that is known for standing with Israel, APAC. APAC. Here is what was put out by APAC. Charges of dual loyalty are anti-Semitic and insult millions of patriotic Americans who stand by Israel. The U.S. is stronger when Israel is secure. No, risk, no misrepresentation. Your vote says it all. No to standing with Israel. No to condemning Hamas. No to helping Israel win this war. Who are they speaking to? They're speaking to our good friend, Congressman Thomas Massey of Kentucky. Here's what Thomas Massey had to say in social media. APAC always gets mad when I put America first. I won't be voting for their 14 plus billion dollars shakedown of American taxpayers either. And he adds, this baseless smear is meant to intimidate me into voting to send $14 billion of your money to a foreign country. Please let APAC know we are broke and these tactics don't work on this congressman. Good for him. And there's no question in my mind I don't have any question about Thomas Massey's loyalty and care and concern for Israel. None. Zero. But I also know Thomas. And he is not in favor of us continuing the policies we've carried out for so long of just throwing money in the form of foreign aid to all of these countries. We can't afford it. We cannot keep doing this. It makes absolutely zero sense. Still to come in the broadcast, some new polling data. How about a three-man presidential race? We've got numbers on that. Also, what do you do when so many of your children are not doing well with educational standards? Well, we'll tell you what's happening in one state in the Pacific North, Northwest. Uh, this one is not going to be a surprise to many of you at all. That much more as we continue our Thursday broadcast. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. 
Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Are you ready? You ready to have some fun here with some new polling data that's out? I think this is absolutely entertaining. Quinnipiac University released this poll yesterday, and I'm sure this is causing all kinds of heartburn with anticipation about what is ahead a little bit over a year from now. Can you believe we're approaching that one-year mark until we vote for president of the United States? Here is the headline in the story. RFK Jr. pulls more votes from Trump than Biden in three-way race. Hmm. Independent presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. appears to pull more support from former President Trump than President Biden in a hypothetical general election matchup. It shows Biden narrowly ahead of Trump by one point, 47-46, within the margin of error, in a head-to-head matchup. But with Kennedy in a three-way race, Biden is ahead with 39% to Trump's 36%, and Kennedy's whopping 22%. Boy, can you imagine what a mess this would be election night? Pollsters found independents are almost evenly split among the three candidates. 36% supporting Kennedy, 31 backing Trump, 30 with Biden. That's very significant. With minority and younger voters seemingly intrigued with Kennedy, he enjoys the kind of demographic support his charismatic father and uncles generated decades ago. Kennedy is an environmental lawyer and prominent anti-vaccine activist running in the Democratic primaries against Biden until last month when he declared himself an independent after struggling to make inroads against the incumbent. I would also add, in seeing the system that is rigged against him, he's appeared to shift to the right, especially since launching his independent run. Former Representative Dennis Kucinich, a strong progressive and Kennedy's original campaign manager, notably left his position just days after Kennedy announced he was switching affiliation. Politico reported Wednesday Kennedy has been receiving donations from former Trump donors at a much higher rate than from former Biden donors, possibly signaling the risk for Republicans with his candidacy. Other polls have found Kennedy may hurt Trump more than Biden in a general election, including a USA Today Suffolk University poll from last month, finding Kennedy cost Trump what would be a narrow lead in a hypothetical race. The Quinnipiac poll found that adding progressive activist Cornell West, who's also running as an independent for a four-way race, leaves Biden with a narrower lead than he had in the three-way race. He leads with 36%, Trump at 35 Kennedy 19 West at 6 I thought you would find this interesting. The idea of Kennedy is all the way up at 22%. We're a year out. This could be very interesting to watch. 
So what do you do when your educational system, let me just put it bluntly, what do you do when your educational system simply sucks? What do you do? And you've got failing students. Get a load of this. Aaron White, writing for The Hill. Oregon just dropped all graduation standards, failing all of its students in the name of equity. Public education's latest blunder, the Oregon Department of Education just decided basic reading, writing, and math skills are not required for students to graduate with a high school diploma. Can I repeat that again? Not required? Basic reading, writing, and math skills. These folks ought to be sued for educational malpractice. And probably stupidity, too. These are the folks who are allegedly smarter than us. Prior to the passage of Senate Bill 744 in the Oregon Legislative Assembly's 2021 session, the state's assessment of essential skills requirement for high school graduation was sensible. Read and comprehend a variety of texts, write clearly and accurately, and apply mathematics in a variety of settings. Students were required to demonstrate these skills by earning at or above a cut score on the Oregon statewide summative assessment test. Well, citing the effects of COVID-19 school closures, by the way, if I would suggest here, parenthetically, these are the idiots who closed the school in the first place. It's their fault. Senate Bill 744 required the state to review requirements for high school diploma options to address learning loss through the pandemic. The bill led to the suspension of Oregon's essential skills proficiency requirement, through the 2023 and 24 school year. <laughs> this is insane, isn't it? So you don't have to have basic reading, writing, and math skills. Last month, Oregon State Board of Education voted unanimously to adopt an additional extension of this suspension through the 2027 and 28 school year. Board members, alongside Oregon Department of Education leadership, argued requiring students to complete standardized tests both presented a harmful hurdle for historically marginalized students and represents a misuse of state tests. The Oregon Education Association, the union representing more than 40,000 teachers throughout the state, is a like-minded opponent of standardized testing. Standardized tests are inaccurate inequitable and don't accurately measure student learning and growth it declares further the union labels standardized tests like oregon statewide summative assessment as instruments are you ready for it of racism and a biased system i'm going to be ill this is crazy so get ready folks for some of the profoundly Ignorant young people who will come out of Oregon schools through the 2027-28 school year. This is just pathetic. But as I said, I can hardly find it surprising. This is the way we've been going. And 
And here we are, final stretch of the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Can you believe tomorrow is Friday? Pretty amazing, isn't it? We are very patiently waiting on the line here out of the sprawling metropolis of Mount Holly. Melissa, good morning and welcome, Melissa. Uh, Good morning, Vince. I always love being able to hear your show. I don't get to always do that. So I... I think the reason that you're seeing Kennedy um, pull so much from Trump supporters is because if you look at the programs that you see him on, what programs do you see him on? A lot of Republican-based, well, right-of-center-based media shows. Absolutely. They won't let him on like MSNBC, CNN, because they don't want him taking from Biden. I think, <laughs> I, yeah, because, yeah, you know, we, we need to have him in the office for four more years. Good Lord. Um, but he, I think when you start having the debates, because you're going to have to have the debate, that you might see a different shift. Very interesting here. So you think it's going to even out some more once more people are actually exposed to RFK Jr. and his message. I do, because the one thing that, I mean, and and I am a big RFK Jr. supporter. I like him. I saw him in Charlotte. He is genuine. He is just humble. And he doesn't do this mudslinging, which is just refreshing. So I think you'll definitely see that shift. And I think more people are are like craving that just craving that just like he said just kind of healing that divide um and i think the more he gets out there and the more when those debates happen more people are going to start really seeing what he has to offer i have to ask you what would you say is the number one issue that causes you to be attracted to rfk jr well there's quite a few issues there's some things i don't agree with him on um, and I've kind of had to say, okay, I like his approach to, he doesn't like the Green New Deal. Everybody thinks, you know, the, the far right thinks he's like a Green New Deal person. I like his approach to capitalism and solving some of our environmental concerns. But I like when he talks about the big, like, Wall Street firms that are killing our housing. And we need to be talking about that. I like his anti-war. I like when he talks about that as well. Like, we shouldn't have these bases all over the world. Why are we policing the world? We police them, and that's why people don't like us. You know, it's kind of interesting. I think increasingly there is a, there is a an audience for the things that you've discussed here where people are they want to focus on america how can we make america better and stop going around trying to be um captain save a country how's that i clean that up did i do that well melissa i like the captain save a country (laughs) (laughs) hey well it's good to hear from you melissa do call again and it'll be interesting to see how uh, RFK Jr. makes his way through the process over the next year. Time for us to take a look at the day in history. Bernie, how are you today? Vince, I'm great. I hope you are, sir. Not bad. We have nine 
items here, beginning in 1889. These are two states that became number 39 and 40. You can say they're a lot like the Carolinas. That's your only hint. Would this what be are North they? and South Dakota? You are brilliant. All 1889 right. is the year. 1920, you better get this one. The first of its type in the U.S. made in Pittsburgh, 1920. What is it that took place on the airwaves for the very first time? Was it radio? You are absolutely right. The first radio broadcast in Pittsburgh. I'm glad I got that one. I would have felt really stupid if I didn't know that. (laughs) Yes, I would be ready to discipline you myself. (laughs) 1947, Howard Hughes, his Spruce Goose actually flew. Not very far, but it flew. 1948, Truman beats Dewey. No matter what the Chicago newspaper said, remember that? They got that race wrong. 1976, this peanut farmer elected the 39th president of the United States. Who was that? Is this Carver? Who is that again? Carter. Jimma. Jimma you Carter. Right. Jimma, you you got it right. Yeah, yeah. And then we go to 1983. <laughs> this president signed a bill making MLK Jr. Day a holiday. Who was that? 1983. Was that Reagan? Reagan did it. All right. Are you a Seinfeld fan, by the way? Um, I've watched a little bit of Seinfeld um, just recently, just because of my wife. She kind of loves Seinfeld. Okay. So as soon as we started dating, I kind of got into about six, seven years Smart ago. Move. Smart move. Yeah, it's move. a funny show. So, this character, probably one of the most popular characters on the show, made an appearance on Seinfeld's show for the very first time on this day in 1995. Who was that person? It has something to do... Do you need a hint? Yeah, give me a hint. It has something to do with food. Oh. Um... It is the... It's not the soup Nazi, is it? Of course it is, <laughs> silly. <laughs> You almost say this in the form of, uh, is it Jeopardy? The way it's not this, is it? Is it? Uh, (laughs) 2000, the first resident crew arrives at the International Space Station. And last but not least, this team won the World Series, snapping what was called the curse. Boston Red Sox. Oh, my goodness. It was actually the Chicago Cubs. Oh, yeah, of course. The Cubs were under the curse. Yeah, because we had the Red Sox question uh, was a couple days ago, I believe. Yes. Wow. A couple days ago. I should know that, Vince. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Embarrassing. You're fine. Embarrassing. Well, talk about Pete's embarrassing. Shaking his head at me. <laughs> <laughs> Pete is just shaking his head at me. <laughs> uh, talk about embarrassing. I saw this, and this just cracked me up. This is somebody who wrote a column exposing something going on in their relationship let me just read a short portion of this my family's always been big on education both my parents were college professors and have their doctorate degrees in education i just graduated college along with my boyfriend he's decided to move into the workforce and i'm going to continue my education and go for my master's degree my parents and i have an agreement that as long as i'm in school they will continue to support me by giving me a monthly stipend to help me eat and pay bills it's a liberal amount My boyfriend knows about it. Recently, he came to me with what he thought was a bright idea. He suggested I use some of my stipend and also money from my loans and grants to help him repay his student loans. Bernie, can you believe this? Absolutely not. 
Uh, that's his, a no for me, dog. <laughs> as Randy exactly, Jackson would say. Exactly. <laughs> his thinking is if we work together to pay off his loans and he ends up with a higher paying job, then he can help me pay off my loans by the time I'm finished with my master's program. I absolutely detest the idea and told him so. The money my parents are giving me is to help me survive. And while I can afford to help him a little, I really don't want to, if I'm being honest. I feel like he needs to pay as much as he can now until he gets a higher paying job that will allow him to really start paying back more. During a recent argument, the S word came out. He's never called me selfish before, but now he's calling me all sorts of names that have to do with me withholding money from him. He says he doesn't want to be with someone else, someone who's not willing to build with him and support him. My concern is, what if we stay together and I've put money out to be his ride or die and support him in his debt? I'll be looking mighty stupid if this ends up being the case and I don't want to chance it. Should I stick to my guns and allow my boyfriend to struggle to repay his student loans or help him along the way? Can you believe... Obviously, Bernie says it's a no dog for him. I would certainly affirm that. I can't believe she's even asking the question. I would suggest go find a new boyfriend. <laughs> this is They're not even married, Vince. I know. Hello. Even at that point, it's, that's a big discussion to have. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um I think I better go before I say something that the FCC would not like. Thank you very much for joining us on the broadcast. Have yourselves a great day, and God bless you. Adios.